Our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 7. As I stand behind this, our communion table, it is Jesus' own words about why we are doing what we are doing this morning. Let us stand. Luke chapter 22, at the very end of his life, Jesus gathers his twelve in front of him. And this is what we read. Verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go, make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher, the rabbi, asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you, with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. I like photographs very much. Some of you already know that. If you come to our home or if you come to my office, you'll see photographs all over the place. Some of them are fun. You know, they're reminders of, of good times and of good friends and of family. And some of them are reminders I'd rather not have but are important for me. Those times of struggle Photographs help us remember, right? Uh, I pulled out a couple just to show you what I'm getting at here. Now, <clears throat> this is the Waybright family. Uh, just over a year ago at Christmas. I didn't show you this one before you voted on me as your new pastor. I was a little bit afraid that you would think, I, we can't have such a silly family as this. Those are my parents up there in the front, and the, you, you, my daughter Heather, and son-in-law Mike, and there's Chris... Silliness, just silliness. But I'll tell you, when I see that, I remember last Christmas, and it's a great memory. It was so much fun. So photographs, they help us remember. Now, now sometimes the memories are memories of struggle, and I chose one of those as well. Yes, that man in the middle is your pastor. You see what being here at Lake has done to me, you, know, you see. <laughs> 
Some of you heard me tell about this story when we had a racial crisis on the campus that I was at before and where I, was, I had this weight of responsibility of leadership and I was receiving, you can imagine at this time, contradictory counsel as to what I should do as president. Yes, that's Jesse Jackson to your right and that's this senior vice president of advancement on the other side. Both of them saying, president, this is what you should say. This is, no, 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 this is, and I felt that weight. You can see it, can't you? The furrow on the brow, the, the weight of responsibility. I see that, I see that and remember important memories. We'll, we'll get rid of that picture. <laughs> I, I bring that to you because I think those pictures in this point might help us for the message today. Uh, because memories help us remember things that we should remember. Uh, sometimes I have pictures of people who are long since past that help me to remember them and what they were like. But I've thought about it this way. If uh, you or I had the opportunity to give a picture that would help others after us to remember us, if somebody said, you know, after you're gone, I'd like to distribute a picture of you so that all of your family and friends can remember you, what picture would you pick out? What picture would you pick out? Would it be of you in your, in, in your greatest virility and strength, you know, swimming or, or playing basketball? Or, or would it be when you're doing something you love to do? I, I see Alex over here playing the violin. Maybe that's what we would have. Would it be a, a, one of those romantic ones? You know, dim lights, uh, engagement pictures. Would it be one uh, in your profession with a library behind you and a book in your hand? What, what would you pick out? I'm guessing all of us would pick out different things to help people to remember us. But one thing I'm quite sure of, that not one of us here at Lake Avenue Church, if we had the opportunity to distribute one picture of ourselves so that we would be remembered, not one of us would pick out a picture of our dead corpse. Well, let's just wait until I die, and when I'm dead, just take a picture and pass that one out. Now, I know that morticians do a great job, job embalming, but all of us want to be remembered as living people, not as mummified remains, right? Nobody would pass out a picture of their dead body. That would be, what would that, morbid? Ludicrous, nobody would be that eccentric, even here at our church. <laughs> nobody except Jesus. Look at verse 19 of Luke 22. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, to get the impact of this, you need to know that Jesus spoke this when he was at the end of his path of suffering. He'd already said that he was going to die. And by the time we get to Luke chapter 22, all of the powers that were going to put him to death were coming together. Only one thing kept them from seizing him. You can read it in chapter 22, verse 2. The authorities knew that he was popular in some circles. And if they seized him in public, it might cause a riot. But they'd already dealt with that. Uh, they'd gotten one of his followers, Judas. And Judas was ready to betray him. So when we come to this text we're looking at this morning, 
Jesus knew that the end was near and he wanted to make his disciples ready for what was going to happen. And it's clear that whereas in the rest of the world, most great people want to be remembered for the battles they've won, books they've written, uh, songs they've put together, Jesus wanted to be remembered for the death that he would die. Uh, those who have read the texts know that Jesus had been pointing toward this for his whole life. I have come to die, I have come to die, I have come to die, he would say. I have come to give my life as a ransom for the many. But now that we get to Luke chapter 22, something remarkable happens. Up to this point, Jesus has told his followers that he had come to die, but he really hadn't explained why. And in Luke 22, he begins to explain the why behind his death. And it's not going to be easy. I don't know if you think that's easy. Maybe you've been to church so many times that this matter, that the Son of God that we celebrate at, at Christmas time, God coming unto earth, then would have to give his life. Maybe, maybe that's easy for you. But I'll tell you, it is one of the most complex things in all of the world. It may be the most profound mystery in the entire universe. And so Jesus is going to try to explain it. And that's why Luke 22 is so important for anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus. Now, what does Jesus do? He uses an illustration from their history. He takes them back to the Passover. You have a Bible in front of you? I want to show you how many times he makes this point. This is the Passover. This is the Passover. Verse 1 of Luke 22, do you see it? Verse 7. Verse 11, you must make preparations for the Passover. Verse 13, he keeps saying it over and over. But I think the key verses that I want you to see begin with verse 14. When the hour came, this is what Jesus had been waiting for. His life had been pointing toward this hour. Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. That's the way that they had meals. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this particular Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, for the Jewish people, uh, do you know much about Passover? You've got to stick with me here. This may not be easy, but I think it's worth it. Passover was like our 4th of July. It was, it, it was their Independence Day. It was the day that they remembered that their God had the power to rescue them. And they remembered to a time way back in history. And when Jesus was alive, it was about 1,200 years before he was there. They remembered what God had done for them. And this particular Passover, for some reason, was especially important for Jesus. That's why we had this description. I, I tried to read it so that you could hear it. Of this, all of these preparations... Did you notice them? I mean, uh, you had secret passwords, unnamed characters, hidden upper rooms. It, it sounds a whole like, like a lot like a Tom Clancy or a James Bond novel. <laughs> so mysterious, but it, it should bring up anticipation. What is it about this Passover that is different? That is different. Well, it's because this one had something significant attached to it. 
This Passover is one that I was eager about because soon I'm going to suffer and I won't eat another one until we see the kingdom of God. All right, there's something about Passover that Jesus says will help you to understand why I have to die. Now, we don't have so much time this morning and there's so much you know I always would like to say. If sometimes I go long... Just know that there are about hours of things that I would like to say to you that I don't. But this morning, there are two points of the Passover that I think will help us before we celebrate what it's pointing toward. The first is that Passover pointed to the past. And the second is that it also points to the future. It was clearly pointing to the past because the Jewish people who would gather would remember what God had done so long before. You know the story, don't you? That the people of God had become slaves. I mean, God had had a covenant with them promising them that someday they'd be in the, in the promised land. But, but when this first Passover happened, they were slaves in Egypt. And then God had rescued them in, in miraculous ways. He'd done it through sending... Uh, Ten plagues. And the last of them was just awful. As the firstborn sons in the homes in Egypt lost their lives. And then there was this enormous rescue of God's people through the Red Sea. What God had had actually done was had told people that they were to take a lamb. A perfect lamb. They were to slaughter it. Uh, They were to put its, its blood on the doorposts of the house. And if that happened, in the homes where that happened, where people believed God enough to do that, that when the avenging angel came to bring judgment, that that angel would pass over. See, that's what that phrase means. That angel would pass over those homes. Uh, The death of that lamb provided an opportunity for the rescue of those people. And God had said in Exodus chapter 12, I jotted this down, On that night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn son. But the blood will be a sign on the houses where you are. Because when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And this day, he said, you are to remember for the generations to come. You are to celebrate this as a festival to the Lord. So here they are in the time of Jesus doing what God had said. So do you see what what it does? On one side, the Passover pointed us to the past. And it showed to God's people, and it shows to us, that the God whom we have come to worship has the power to rescue. But not only does it point to the past, it also points to the future. Because, you with me, by the time Jesus was alive, the people of Israel were no longer free. And they hadn't been free for a long time. It started 700 years before when Assyria had come in. And really for over 600 years, God's people had always been under the dominion of someone. In the time of Jesus, the Jewish people were under the domination of, do you know? Of the people of Rome. So so many of you know that. Because of that, If Passover only looked to the past where God rescued his people from slavery, don't you think it had a bit of a hollow ring to it? Yes, he rescued us once, but look, we're in the same mess once again. Now, the prophets of the Old Testament, 
pointed out why God's people were, were in slavery. Do you know why? Because they had sinned. They had disobeyed God. And they paid dearly for that. But there are always these marvelous promises through so many of the prophets that God again, just as he had rescued them once from Egypt, God again was going to rescue his people and set them free. In fact, in one of the best places in the entire Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 31, God said, I'm going to establish a new kind of covenant. That old covenant which said that I'm going to give my people the promised land, they'd be my people, they keep breaking that one. So I'm going to write my law and my ways on their hearts. Their sins I will remember no more. I'm going to provide for them a freedom that is going to last. That's what they were looking forward to. And so, by the time of Jesus, when the Father would gather his family, even as we're gathered here, and they would have the Passover meal, he would say this, Today, my family, we are slaves. Next year, perhaps we will be free. Okay, with that in mind, take your Bible out. Look again at verse 16. I tell you, I'm not going to eat this meal again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Or or look at verse 18. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Or in verse 20, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's poured out for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Now, I don't know if I've spoken clearly enough, but if I have, and you were one of the disciples in the early church, you would have become excited. You would have become excited. Because no longer would it be the reign of these other political parties over them. God was going to come and set them free. I can imagine what the disciples thought was, Jesus is saying that it's just about to happen. Everything that we have longed for, to find freedom and a new life, it's just about to happen. But if that's true, there must have been some confusion, don't you think? If we are just about to be set free from Rome, and Jesus is about to set up his kingdom now, why are we hidden back in this little bitty room here? And how is God going to do it? After all, where's the army? Uh, Is he going to send ten more plagues? How is God going to do it? And this is where Jesus drops the bomb. He takes bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat. Now, when the Jewish father would have the Passover, I think I've written it up here so you can see it. This would be what he would say. This is the bread of affliction which our fathers broke in Egypt. All who hunger, come and eat. All who are in need, come and celebrate the Passover. Do you see that? But when Jesus institutes the Passover, he does something very different. He doesn't talk about the bread of affliction, does he? What does he say? The bread is my body which is given for you. I am the one 
who will bring you rescue and salvation. And the other strange thing about this is, where is the lamb? The centerpiece of the celebration was to be the lamb, the one whose blood symbolized that they would be able to be rescued. Where is the lamb? And to that, Jesus shockingly says, this bread is my flesh. You take and eat that. In other words, receive me. Trust me. I am the one who is going to bring about salvation. Now, do some of the pieces of this puzzle begin to fit together? Why were God's people in slavery? Because of their sin. What did they need rescue from? They needed forgiveness of their sins. They, they needed a new life with God. As we gather, it wasn't just the Jewish people then, but it is us now. Do you ever have those times when you look at your life, you look in the mirror and say, why does it take me so long to get better? Will there ever be any hope for me? Where will I find forgiveness from the past and a power to be different in the future? We need rescue, don't we? We need freedom, not from a political oppression, but freedom from the slavery of our sin. And that's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring an eternal life and an eternal forgiveness. This is my body for you. I thought, how can I make this clear? All right. I'm going to do my best. I want you to imagine that first Passover in Egypt. Women, this will be a little bit harder for you than for us as men. I want you to imagine that you are the firstborn son in the family. You have a good sense of imagination? You wake up on that morning after the judgment. You walk out of your door. Uh, you hear the wailing and the weeping all around the nation. Because in every home, there has been a death. But you look at yourself. You're here. And you're still alive. And yet you're the firstborn. You turn back toward the home and what do you see? You see that blood from that lamb that is sprinkled over the doorposts. You look through the door and you see the ashes and the remains of the lamb in the fireplace. And what do you think? What do you think? Because that lamb died, I don't have to. That lamb died in my place. And for those of us who gather here, we come into the life of the church, and if we are honest, we say, Father, I know that I too have fallen short. I don't have any right to be able to stand in your presence. I have known what was right, and I haven't done it anyway. And God says, the wages of sin is death. But there is a gift of God. And what do we look at? The logic to me is inescapable. The sinless one for those of us who have sinned. The perfect one in the place of those of us who are so imperfect. We take time when we gather in remembrance of Jesus to remember a death that he died. That we look at that and say, because he died, I can live. Because he died, I can be rescued.
And he says, until I come again and complete the work of God's kingdom, I want you to gather as a church and look at this photograph. Do not forget. We become so self-centered. We become so ungrateful and complacent. But Christian people, we are rescued people. And we do not deserve it. We are recipients of mercy. And the meaning of the death of Jesus is this. Because that lamb died. You and I can live. The rescue is from God. All that the people in that first Passover had to do was apply God's instruction to their doors. And all he asks us to do is to receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we as a church family are going to remember. We're going to join Christians from all over the world in remembering and looking at this photograph. I'll tell you this, this table is open for all who trust Christ. If you come here and this morning for the first time you say, I believe, I don't understand it all, but I know I need forgiveness, I need freedom, I trust Jesus, then this table is open to you. It is the Lord's table. If you come to church this morning and you know that there are sins in your life and you are giving those back to him and say, I confess them, I want to go from this place living for you rather than for myself, then I ask you to receive that table. It is blood shed for your sins. It is a body given for you. But if you've come to church this morning and you know there is sin in your life and you plan that when you leave you're going to continue on in it, let the elements pass. We're going to be distributing these elements one at a time. We want you to hold the elements. First, the bread as a symbol of the body of Christ, and then the cup as a sign of his blood. And we will receive them with one another and take time to remember, to remember this unexpected photograph. Let's pray together as our servers will be coming. Let's pray. Father, as we gather in this place, we want to take time together with believers all over the world to remember why we are here, that you have provided an opportunity for our salvation through the death of Jesus. Father, as we receive now this bread, use this time to show us areas of our lives that need to be given to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.